0: And now. And now
1: back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hail Varsity Radio, powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We're dressed like South Park kids today and working on his Dan 10 down in uh, Alabama. Lars Anderson, a New York Times best-selling author, midday host to Tide 100, at Lars Anderson71. On Twitter's where you find Lars. Lars, how has the, uh, the last 48 to 72 hours been, starting with the Sabin bombshell of retirement, and then uh, you fast-forward quickly as A.D. Byrne moved quickly and got uh, one of the best coaches, uh, just not at Washington, but in college football, wherever his stops have been, and that's Kalen DeBoer.
2: Yeah, uh, I love the hire. Um, but going back to when Nick announced his retirement, uh, I was absolutely shocked. Absolutely shocked. I mean, I feel like I know him very, very well. I've written two books on him and just, uh, you know, <laughs> 20 different long-form magazine stories probably. And I had absolutely zero inclination that he was going to walk away. Um, I still don't think we really have the full reason. Uh, there's a lot of rumors here in, uh, in Tuscaloosa, and Birmingham, about the health of a family member. But I've also been told um, by a writer who has basically been embedded with Nick for this year for a book that once he got back from the Rose Bowl, a couple of his stud young players came into his office, and uh, demanded money they, that they didn't uh, feel like they were getting compensated enough with their nil deal and nick has uh, was explained to my buddy in an email from miss terry uh nick felt like it was extortion and just enough is enough and he is he's a coach that craves control I mean, all coaches do but he is uh, someone who absolutely will go bonkers if he's not in control of every sort of, of every facet of his program. And I think uh, he just hates where college football is going. And I think there could be that and a, and a health issue. And also, you know, he did seem to lose a little bit of steam this last year. I mean, he is 72. And, uh, and I, I, I think you could just tell that this was a very difficult year for him. And, um, again, this, uh, this NIL stuff uh, is not where he wants – he doesn't want to be dealing with players because players, players now have more power than they've ever had before, especially when some of these guys are making more than the majority of the assistants on staff. And that creates a lot of problems, a lot of problems in the locker room. As you know, I mean, every school is dealing with this and I, just don't, I don't think Nick uh, just has an appetite for it anymore. And, um, you know, I think in his mind, too, uh, winning the SEC championship was a really big deal and stopping Georgia and Kirby Smart from getting their third national championship in a row, just something Nick Saban's never done. And so, you know, they, they put that sort of dynasty on hold for a while. And I think Nick feels pretty good about how he's leaving – the shape of the program. There have been a lot of kids who have uh, defected uh, or have uh, entered the transfer portal, but I think the board might be able to get some of them out. And, you know, as a Midwesterner at heart, uh, as you know, Chris grew up there in Lincoln. My family is all from South Dakota. So I love the fact that a bunch of South Dakotans coming into Tuscaloosa <laughs> to save the program. And, and, I mean, it's like it's crazy. You know, half of the guys on the staff, they were coaching NAIA not long ago in tiny Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which uh, I assume you probably spent some time there, Chris. I have uh, oh, yeah. this year. The, yeah. hol- the Holodome.
0: The
1: the Empire uh, Mall, the Empire, well, Mall, the Empire Mall, brother, the last standing Abercrombie and Fitch, my friend. I'm kidding, of course. I'm kidding, of course. I want to. What about Saban going to a a college football czar type position? I know that's been talked about. If if anyone can get it back on track, or at least have some parameters built in, would Saban like that administrative role? Would he transition to that?
2: Possibly. Possibly, I think he's going to sit out this year, and then maybe, or maybe he'll do a little bit of TV here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, he is still keeping an office in on campus, the Mount Moore Athletic Facility, um, and I think he plans on going to, to practices. And I think right now he's trying to help the board to, to keep some of the kids from entering the transfer portal, but. Um, yeah, I know. He, he talked about that, but it's just the, the logistics of making it happen. Right. Right? Is it going to be the NCAA that, that implements a, or creates a new position? Um, yeah, I mean, it, that's, uh, I mean, it, you know, pie in the sky talk, it would be great because he, Nick has a way of seeing things before they actually happen and uh, he's really good at, at at diagnosing sort of where the game is going and um yeah he would he, he would be great in that role but uh but yeah uh it, it's just been stunning like i it, it's just uh you know i was on campus on thursday the day after um it was the first day of uh, classes for for me um teaching two classes on Thursday, and uh, the students were just um, just sad, I think is the best way to put it. Uh, They were uh, shocked because, you know, I went around the room in both my classes, told about 35 kids, and of the 35, probably 33 said the reason they came to Alabama was because of Nick Saban and the football program. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Again, but I'm teaching sports journalism, so sure. uh, that would make sense. However, um, you know, just the, the impact he's had. And uh, Greg Byrne, um, I think he's one of the best ADs, if not the best AD in the country, mainly because he, he spent most of his youth in Lincoln, Nebraska, the son of uh, Bill Byrne. And, uh, and and Greg's just been around Sort of every possible situation that an ad can can confront and what i really appreciate about him appreciate about him is that he doesn't go out and spend five million dollars on a search firm he, he's, he's a one-man search firm and he doesn't tell anybody what he's doing he just gets on the uh, the private jet and goes off into the wild blue yonder and and nobody really knows where he's going. And that's what he did when he hired Nate Oates, the uh, basketball coach, who has had amazing success. And uh, I think DeVore really was his maybe second target uh, behind the Oregon coach, mm-hmm. um, Lanning. But um, I do think, you know, he just he wanted to get somebody who was kind of outside of the. SEC footprint. I know Lanning spent a little bit of time in Tuscaloosa, but but he just, uh, you know, it's, it's tough because you don't, and it's, it's obvious, too, that you don't want to be the, the coach who follows the legend because of the shadow that the legend casts is so wide and long and hard to get out of. But at the same time, it's a hell of an opportunity for a guy that was coaching NIA football not long ago. And... Um, I think he's going to make the most of it. He seems very sincere, seems very Midwestern. And, um, you know, so far, he's made a really good impression on Alabama people. And now,
0: and now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Lars
1: Anderson, a New York Times bestselling author, midday host to Tide 100
0: at Lars Anderson 71 on Twitter's, where you find Lars. Lars, you mentioned the, the Saban shadow and, and Saban keeping his office on campus. I've seen two sides to this. One side, there's a group of people saying, man, tough for DeBoer, that, that Saban's going to be looking over your shoulder and, and controlling your decisions as you try to, to install your brain at Alabama. But then on the flip side, I've seen people saying, well, there's no better person than one of the best in college football to have in your corner as a part of your, your support system. What's your take on, on Saban's continued influence over Alabama as, as DeBoer takes control?
2: I think I think Nick is going to be very um, careful not to, uh, you know, hog the spotlight and really to stay out of it and sort of stay in the background and make sure that everybody knows that this is DeBoer's team and going to be, you know, sort of created in his likeness. But at the same time, if you're De I mean, De it's it's a tough situation. I mean, imagine. You know, if uh, the next guy after Tom Osborne would have never had any affiliation with the University of Nebraska, um, you know, with Solich, it seemed seamless and good at the time. And, man, uh, the athletic director, the athletic staff really messed that up at Nebraska. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think Nick is going to be very cognizant of, uh, of, of not trying to appear to be overbearing. Um, but at the same time, if you're DeBoer, you definitely have to, you know, welcome him with open arms. And again, it's 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 tough coming from the Pacific Northwest and uh, not really having any, you know, recruiting relationships with high school coaches in the South. Um, and I, I know he's going to focus on hiring guys who have reputations as really good recruiters. But still, it's recruiting is really like journalism relationship based business and DeBoer simply doesn't have a relationship with any of the coaches who are 500 miles around the university. And that's really where Saban did so well was uh, cultivating those relationships and, and, um, and, you know, just having wide open dialogue with all these different uh, high school coaches and divorce starting at zero, you know, and it's going to be tough. Uh, Auburn people here are hoping that he is the second coming of Brian Harson, the uh, dumpster fire of a coach at Auburn coming from Boise um, in a very kind of similar situation. But um, I think the board's going to do a really good job. Are you guys, have you guys been impressed with him? Yeah, he's as Midwest as Midwest come.
1: He's he's even keel. He's climbed the ladder with him and his staff, he's taken really tough jobs, and he's won. And and I mean, I, I, the, the recruiting base he set up in Northern California with his two tours at Fresno, his connections to Florida through Indiana because they recruited Florida uh, were 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 good. And he'll, if he doesn't know it, he's going to listen, and he's going to hire the right people. I believe to surround himself with not only is his own guys coming with him to, from to, from Washington but I think he'll 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 keep who he can and who want to stay with him on at Alabama to cut down that that tourist type uh, you know stamp on it
0: and, and I think maybe most importantly with him is how he welcomes, embraces, and thrives in the modern era of college football. Yeah. Simply put, with his short stays, he's used the transfer portal well, got some good pieces in recruiting. He He just seems to understand the modern college football, where it's going.
1: Lars, we'll do this again. Be well, and thanks for a few minutes with us.
2: Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it.